good morning and welcome everybody. I'm David. We're continuing today in our series we're calling We're Still the Church as we look through the book of Acts to remind ourselves of the mission God has given us as a church, a mission that hasn't gone away even as we're in the midst of shelter in place. If anything, our mission as a church is all the more important today as ever before. And what we're going to consider today is the importance of community. Two weeks ago, we got to celebrate our fourth birthday as a church family. Uh, we did a drive-through where a number of you came out and, and drove through the different stations that the teams had set up, giving you care kits, giving you t-shirts and ice cream and all of that. It was great seeing everybody. Thank you for all of those who were able to make it out. Uh, one of the things that was really fun for me is the teams freed me up to be able to go from car to car and connect with, with many of you. Unfortunately, I didn't get to uh, see each and every one of you, but uh, I was glad for the time that I was able to, to catch some of you. And what I found was with every single interaction I had with you, uh, without exception, uh, everyone said something to the effect of, oh my goodness, it is so good to see others. It's so good to see the church family. And a few of you actually took it a step further and said, oh my goodness, I, we never realized how small connections like these can make a big difference. Community, and not just any community, Christian community, as we'll consider today, is of utmost importance to us during normal times, let alone during times like the one we're in now. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Acts We're going to be uh, chapter 2 and chapter 4. We're going to be looking at two vignettes of the early church and how they established important rhythms when it came to community, uh, not only for, for their health and growth and mission then, but for these things for us today. So we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, and Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 37. Let me read. Acts 2 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Acts 4. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there, was, that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. All right, so here we see invaluable rhythms and practices the early church established for us today. And Acts 2, chapter 42, begins with the words, they devoted themselves to. Now, these words are critical for understanding the rest of this text here because grammatically speaking, these words modify every practice that is to follow. They devoted themselves to these practices. 
Uh, other translations say they continually devoted themselves to. That's probably a more literal translation because it was, it was a continual thing for them. And the Old King James actually puts it this way. They continued steadfastly in these ways. Uh, we get the point. Uh, they were intentional and they were consistent. Um, one of the things that I've devoted myself to during a shelter in place is working out. I've just been trying to, you know, work on, on health and, and all of that. And I've, I've found, uh, and, and anybody who, who works out will tell you, that you don't just start working out one day and the next day reap the results. No, it's something that you have to devote yourself to over time. It takes a long time to build strength and, you know, get healthier and all, all that sort of thing. It's something that just doesn't happen overnight. And, and the thing that, that I especially realize is it's on the days when I wake up and I think, oh man, I'm just too tired or I'm just too busy, or I just don't feel like it. It's on those days that it's, that it's all the more important <laughs> that I try to find the time to stick with it, to remain at it. Eugene Peterson, in his memoir, The Pastor, a Christian author and, and pastor who recently passed away, uh, a book that I recently just finished, titled one of his chapters, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. In fact, I think he's written a book under the same title. But he's, he talks about how the Christian life is a long obedience in the same direction. Uh, you've undoubtedly heard that all good things, all worthwhile things take time. We have to devote our thing, ourselves to the things that are of utmost importance. And what the early church was establishing here from the very get-go was that we need to devote ourselves to community, specifically these practices that we're gonna look at. We have to be intentional, we have to be consistent, not just during normal times, but especially during times like the, the ones we face now. Okay, so what were they devoted, them, uh, devoted to? What, what were these practices? Well, number one, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They have devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. There's so much we could say uh, to this point, uh, so we'll just touch on what we can. But what is the apostles' teaching? Like, what, what were these teachings that they were devoting themselves to? Real simply put, they were de de devoting themselves to the scriptures, to the Bible, or more specifically, to the New Testament, which the apostles were getting ready to, even at that time, put together, write, and have recorded for the church going forward. Uh, as a quick sidebar, uh, I will get the question from time to time of how the New Testament was put together. How, how were the, the New Testament scriptures put together? And often it's assumed that there was some sort of vote uh, by the church at some point, at some council, that, that you know, a group of religious leaders got together and said, we thus proclaim that these are the books of the Bible. But that's not how it worked. Uh, there's no evidence for that. There's, but what there is a lot of evidence for is the early church was constantly asking the question of any would-be book in the New Testament scriptures, the question of, is it apostolic? Meaning, does this book or this source material find its uh, source material as an apostle? Is it derived from an apostle? So for instance, you may be saying, well, what about the gospel accounts of, of Mark or Luke? Uh, I don't think that, that those were some of the apostles. And actually, you'd be right. Mark and Luke were not apostles. So how did they end up in the Bible if they were the ones who wrote those, those texts? Well, in the instance of Mark, say, we have early evidence, primary sources going back all the way to the turn of the first century AD, after Christ, 
saying not only was that book written by John Mark, who, who's known as Mark, but that his source material was Peter, who of course was an apostle. And that's why we have the book of Mark. That's why it's recorded as, as scripture, because its source material was from an apostle, the apostle Peter. Or Luke, who, by the way, wrote the book we're in right now, uh, the book of Acts, and also his gospel account, entitled by his name, Luke. Uh, Luke was not an apostle, but he very meticulously and carefully at the beginning of his account say, hey, I'm, these are eyewitness accounts. Well, from whom? The apostles. In fact, as we go through Acts, and when we get to the latter half of the book of Acts, uh, you'll find that Luke will actually change between the first person and third person at times. Right now, it's all in the, in the third person. He's describing the church. He's describing the early church leaders. But once he gets to the part about Paul, he starts to say not only Paul and his companions were out doing these things, but we were out doing these things. Why? Because Luke was with them. His source material was Paul for the second half and, and some of these other apostles in the beginning. Okay, there's the sidebar aside. But they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the scriptures, which the, the apostles were pointing to the Old Testament. So the, the whole Bible, this is what mattered to them, that they were spending time devoting themselves to God's word. What does this mean for us? This might seem like a straightforward point that we need to devote ourselves to the scriptures. What does this mean? Uh, whenever I get together with a couple to do premarital counseling, uh, there often comes a time in which I say to them, usually in our first session, I say, hey, you know, I've been married myself for about 12 years, so I think there's, you know, some advice maybe that I can add and, you know, share with you that would, that would be helpful. We're going to be going through this textbook and, you know, as, as kind of a launch pad and, you know, ho hopefully there's some wisdom and nuggets that, that will help your, your relationship thrive, practical advice that will be helpful to you, but really... I will say to this couple, my hope is that the Lord teaches you what he has for you. And that is grounded in his scripture, in his timeless truth, in terms of how he sees relationships, how he sees love, sacrificial, and, and all the rest of it. Uh, that's my hope for you. Uh, you know, when I'm preaching here on Sunday mornings, uh, in a sense, you should not care what I have to say. You should not care what David has to say if it's not derived from the scriptures and what the scriptures are teaching. In fact, as I'm uh, studying throughout the week, that's one of my prayers. God, help me get out of the way. Help David's interpretation of these get out of the way. Like, what is it you are saying and want to say to your people? We devote ourselves to God's scripture because this is the timeless truth in his life-giving word, his gospel for us. Incidentally, what does all the scripture ultimately point to? Jesus himself, at a couple of places, said that all of the scriptures essentially point to himself. And more specifically, what he came to do on the cross. The gospel of his death for the forgiveness of sins and his resurrection. That when we put our faith in him, we will have life in him. And that after we have put our faith in him, it is that gospel, that grace, that we build our life upon and share that love out from to others. Uh, that is what the scriptures are about. That's what they call us to, to be and to do. We have to devote ourselves to the scriptures. So I'll just ask you, in the midst of shelter in place, um, can you find time, if you are already not doing so, to devote yourself to the scriptures? I know uh, a number of you have taken this opportunity of shelter in place to read through the entire Bible. That's, that's really fun. Uh, there's no magical 
way to do this or mag magical hour of the day in which you have to do this. The key is to find a way, an approach that works for you. You can look at the Uversion app, the Bible app, um, and, and find a plan there to help you kind of uh, walk through some text or even the entirety of the Bible, that that would be fine. Uh, if you're the type of person who gets easily distracted while on your phone, maybe don't go to the app. <laughs> maybe go to the old school picking up an actual physical Bible. And if you need a place to start, pick one of the gospel accounts or maybe one of the epistles, which we find after the book of Acts here, and just start reading through it, maybe a, a chapter a day and just pray it through. We need to devote ourselves to the scriptures, God's timeless truth for our lives. It would also be great if you could get into a current group because current groups obviously spend some time uh, devoting ourselves to the scriptures as well, which leads us into our second thought here. We see that the early church devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves, they were consistent and intentional about fellowship. There are over 50 one another commands in the scriptures that we are called to love one another, serve one another, forgive one another, encourage and spur one another, uh, to bear with one another. All wonderful things that we can't necessarily do on Sunday mornings. Now, really quickly, this text does show us, at least the Acts 2 account here, the, the importance of large group formal gatherings. Now you see this in verse 46. It says, every day they continue to meet in the temple courts. This is where a large group of them would, would come together. No doubt to hear a sermon. No doubt to, to pray more formally corporately. But what we see here in, in this thought is that corporate formal worship is critical. That's why we meet on Sunday mornings. Obviously we're doing it online these days. But typically, as we get together and worship the Lord in a larger group, as, a, as the larger family comes together, that's critical, that's absolutely important and biblical. But we also see that they broke bread in their homes. That was, they were, that's saying that they were intentional about creating intimate connections with one another, allowing space and opportunity for them to live out these one another commands that we are called to do. Uh, we are called to fellowship. Now, actually, the root word behind the word fellowship means to share. We're called to share life together. I think the best illustration to help us think about this is the, is, is the analogy of family. Like, right? A, 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 church, a church is essentially a, a family. And, you know, with normal family, it's not like you say, hey, I want you to be my sister, you to be my brother, you to be my aunt. No, you just, you, your family is your family. And you're stuck with them. And usually, hopefully that's usually a good thing. But the, the fact of the matter is you have to work out the relationships. You, you're, you're going to be rubbing shoulders with each other. and You're going to be there in the, the up times and, and the down times. And because you're family, you're not going to just say, well, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm through with you. Well, at least hopefully not. Uh, I'm, I'm through with you, I'm, I, you know, but I'm, I'm sticking with you. This is hard, but I'm, I'm going I'm to love you. Fellowship is having relationships where people don't just ask, how are you doing, we like to say, but how are you really doing? Tell me, how are you really doing? Uh, fellowship is having the humility to listen, to hear, to grow in and from the local church community that God has you placed in. Now, I get it that some of you uh, logged in right now, aren't necessarily in the Bay Area right now. Uh, that's 
why that's because we're living in unprecedented times and this is the first time we've ever had the ability as a church thinking about this uh, generationally speaking to do virtual services like this to have this at our disposal during times like these so we're taking advantage of that that is good and right but i would just say this i would be sure to make sure to identify your church home and devote yourself there to to stick with your family this is not to say you can't have relationships outside of current, of course not, but it's to say that there is a special importance and need that the Lord has for you and, and through you for others that only those who are around you locally can fit and fulfill. God built us for community. We need to be devoted to fellowship. Uh, real quick thought here, because I think this is important for us to consider. There was recently a Barna study that came out uh, just a, f a few months ago, uh, looking at the effects of church attendance during shelter in place. And they found that after a few months of sh shelter in place, that there was a significant drop off in terms of people who had previously been attending church, now no longer attending a church, like over 50%, which is of course a, a really high percentage. And what they found in addition to that is of those people who dropped off attendance, which of course includes online attendance, many, many of them are really struggling relationally, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, I understand that I'm speaking to the choir because by definition of you logging on here, it's a, it's, it suggests that it's not you who has kind of dropped off the mat. Although if you have logged on today and you and it's the first time in a long time, you should figure, well, I'll just give it a shot. Welcome and, 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 and keep at it, friend. Um, I would just say to everybody here, just keep that in mind. It is absolutely critical that we devote ourselves to fellowship. All the more at times where it's a little hard to do, or maybe we don't feel like it, or maybe it's like, oh, it's a virtual thing. I'm just not so sure. It is critical that we devote ourselves to fellowship. We need people checking in on us. We need to be there checking in on them. We need people able to speak into our lives and support us in ways that those not around us cannot. If you're not in a current group, uh, please let us know. We'd love to uh, get you more information on that. Okay, I need to move a little bit more quickly now. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship. And next, we see they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, food. <laughs> if you've been around current for any length of time, especially when we're meeting more physically, although we've been doing this even uh, while we've been uh, virtual, uh, we do food <laughs> at current. We have more than a few foodies in our midst. And uh, anytime we have an event and food's involved, we try to do it right. And uh, there's a theological reason for that. Uh, kind of half kidding, half, half not. I'm, I'm actually being serious. Because food is a place for us to connect. Of course, we know how this naturally happens. A food is a way for us, especially busy Silicon Valley folks, to slow down because we have to eat. It's also a great you know, conversation starter or, or a point where we can connect. Oh, this is wonderful food. Instead of just like sitting across from each other with nothing to do, we have food that we can talk about. Oh, you prepared this. Like, how did you prepare this? This is wonderful. Food just has so many just inherently natural ways that just help us enjoy one another. Now, real quickly, if you're wondering if this is actually referring to the scripture, the breaking of bread, if it's referring to communion, the commentators I was reading said it's actually not. I mean, if, uh, it's not talking about wine or you know juice or anything like that in, in addition here. What it's talking about is kind of the informal, just breaking of bread, eating 
together and just how that's so important. Now, I understand this is something not as easy to do right now during quarantine, during a pandemic, but there's some creative ways that you could think about doing this. It's something we need to be devoted to. For instance, I know a number of you have done this. Cindy and I have done this. We've actually had Zoom dates where we've, where we've eaten, we've shared a meal online uh, with another couple or family. That, that's really fun. That's a, that's a creative way that you can explore. Or now that the, the county is starting to, be, to begin to relax its restrictions, you can do this in your backyard if you, if you so have one, or in a park space or a communal space. The point is we need to be devoted to the breaking of bread, which is a wonderful thought. Because some of these other thoughts, you know, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and we'll look at another kind of more spiritual one here in a second. Uh, the breaking of bread is really saying, and don't forget to just socialize. To spend just time just, just rubbing shoulders and getting to know one another, just making casual connections. Uh, that's really important. So important that we need to find ways to devote ourselves to do it. And if you like food, all the better. <laughs> they devoted themselves to, food, to, to breaking bread and then they devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. Last week, we actually spoke on prayer at the, at, um, you know, in Acts 4, just before this account we're looking at today. And after that message, one of our, our leaders texted me and said, hey, I really appreciated that message. Thank you. And I responded saying, yeah, what, what especially stood out to you? Like, what, what, what made you send this text? And he said, you know, I really appreciate appreciated the message on prayer because it, it was a great chance for me to kind of hit the reset button. He said, you know, it's, it's always helpful to have a reminder that I need to be praying. The early church devoted themselves to prayer. You know, by the time Acts 4 rolled around, they were already facing persecution. They needed to be praying. You know, it's, it's as if, you know, when we get more busy, prayer tends to slide away. It tends to become less prioritized when actually it needs to be all the more prioritized. Look, we are limited in so many ways right now because of shelter in place, social distancing, the quarantine, and the rest of it, but we are not limited from praying. What did this early church pray for? It's not recorded here in these, in these vignettes, but we know what they were praying for, at least, at least at the high level. Last week, we saw that they were praying praise to God, that he was in control no matter what they were facing. They could trust him, put their faith in him, and they were praying that they, they would have boldness to preach the gospel, to share the word of God clearly and boldly. Uh, of course, they undoubtedly were also praying for one another. Uh, we need to be praying for one another. We need to devote ourselves to these things, to prayer, to the apostles' teaching, to breaking of bread. Uh, one more thought here. It's not followed from the, the they were devoted to uh, grammar thought, but it's clearly something they were devoted to. We see that they were meeting needs generously. Uh, we see this actually in both vignettes here. Let's look verse at, first at Acts chapter 2. It says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And then in Acts Four, there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses, or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Now, whenever I've read uh, texts like these in, say, a small group setting, the question invariably comes up, wait a minute, is this just like promoting you know, communism? Is that, is that what we're supposed to do today? But what I think we need to think about is, is this text is, is helping us understand we need to avoid two extremes here. 
as we think as we look at this text, I think we need to understand we need to avoid two extremes. First, we see that it's not teaching communism because everything that the, the early church was doing here was voluntary and occasional. They were meeting needs as they, as they came up. And it's not as if every Christian here was getting rid of their homes because our very text that we just consider is that they're breaking bread in each other's homes. How, how can you do that if you got rid of your, your homes? What's important to note is the context. And in both Acts 4 and Acts 2, we see that, uh, uh, that, that God had just brought thousands of people into the faith, specifically from the Jewish diaspora, meaning Jews from all over the Mediterranean world had come to Jerusalem and for, for the festival of Pentecost and there decided to put their faith in Jesus and there decided to remain while they were building up this newfound faith of theirs. Meaning there were thousands of new converts, new Christians, that the church was like, we got to take care of these folks. And therefore, they were doing their best generously to meet those needs. The second extreme I think we need to avoid here, though, is to say, well, that was just then and that was just them. But actually, this applies to us today. I think the principle we see here is that we need to live generously. We need to live open-handedly. If you'd allow me to use a formula, I think the formula that they were operating from was people are greater than possessions. There's this example that I've used in the past that I think is just too good to pass up. But Juan Carlos Ortiz, in his book, Disciple, described a time when he taught his church in Buenos Aires, just a big church, thousands of people who attended his church, listening to, to him preach. He preached on generosity and how you know God calls us to give generously because he first gave to us. And after this message, he said something incredible happened. So many people in the church, hundreds of people came up to him and the church leadership and said, here, we are cut to the heart, take the lease to our cars, take our apartments, take our homes. We want to just give it to the church. And Juan Carlos Ortiz said he was actually quite scared at this. He was like, oh boy, what, what do we do here? What, what, do we, what do we started here? And so they said, okay, hey, you know what? Uh, you know, we're going to talk about it as a leadership, as a, as a board. We're going to pray about it and we'll get back to you. So that's what they did. They, they sent the people away. They, they prayed about it. They met for a period of months talking about it, asking God, what, what do you want us to do? They called the people back together and said, hey, we, we've come to a decision. We, we know what we want to do here. We're giving all you your cars back. We're giving you your apartments back. But remember, but remember, they now belong to the Lord. That, that he, and, and he wants you to take care of your car, the engine, you know, make sure it's well-oiled. He wants you to take care of your homes, make sure the AC is working properly, make sure the plumbing's working properly, so that when he needs it, when he wants you to use it to serve and care for others, you will be ready. I, I just think that's such a great example. Juan Carlos Ortiz said it just revolutionized the way the church did ministry. And I think that's what we're called to do, live open-handedly. After all, what are our possessions? You know, the, the money we make, the, the stuff that we, we, we garner, like what is that but things to steward for the Lord's kingdom? Things God has entrusted to us that we can use for uh, serving and loving and caring for those around us. I just want to say thank you to, to many of you who give to Current. 
on a weekly basis to help us do the very things that we're trying to see done here in the early text, taking care of tangible needs. Of course, helping the church run and, and take care of one another and do the different things we do as a church in that regard, but also helping foster kids in the Bay Area, helping fight homelessness in the Bay Area, helping start church plants, new churches in the Bay Area, helping refugees in Greece, you know, even doing things like what we did, you know, two weeks ago and, and continue on today with the care kits that we gave out to everybody. You know, those care kits, if you, if you received one, you saw they were really well done, really nicely made. The team did an awesome job, but these were things, these were gifts that we wanted to put generosity behind. One, to meet tangible needs, but also two, to spark spiritual conversations, to meet spiritual needs as well. In fact, that's one of our our values as a church to be generous. We want to meet generous needs and thank you for those who, who give to the church to, that enables us to do so. But let me ask, how could you use what you have for the sake of loving others? How could you generously live with the equation of people are greater than stuff? Well, there they are, the practices that the early church devoted themselves to. And again, as I mentioned before, by the time Acts 4 rolls around, the early church is already staring down the barrel of persecution. And yet, these practices were all the more essential. Which means, for us today, we might not be facing persecution. But shelter in place brings with it its unique challenges. And it means these practices are all the more important that we need to devote ourselves to. Be intentional about. Be consistent with. By way of thinking of this practically, because I know a lot of you like to think about things very, very practically, how can we break this down into like some bite-sized chunks to think about for as, as a takeaway? Well, I would just encourage you to think about each of these things, each of these practices that the early church was devoted to. If I can go ahead and say, say there are five. The apostles teaches that is reading the scripture, uh, fellowship, uh, breaking of bread, prayer, giving generously. Of these five, what which one might you feel the Lord calling you to take a step further into? To activate a little bit more in. Uh, maybe not the one that just seems cool or fun or whatever, but, but, but to pray and ask the Lord. Maybe he will tug at, at your heart a little bit and say, this one. Uh, where, which one of these could you step into a little bit more even this week, devoting yourself to it as a practice? I love how the Acts 2 account finishes with the words, they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We see a couple of things from that thought. First, we see that this idea of reaching out to others, their outward focus of telling people about Jesus was not put as a side burner thing during the midst of all of this. No, it was still front and center for them. They were being witnesses for Jesus, as we've talked about throughout this series. They were going out and making disciples, telling people about Jesus and what he did for them on the cross and the resurrection from the dead. That was absolutely critical. And, and the second thing we see here is as they pursued all these practices, including being outward focused, they got to see God move. I think that's implicit here for us today, that as we devote ourselves to these things, these practices, these essentials, that we just, you know, the long obedience in the same direction with these things, we will get to see God move in us and through us. It's worth mentioning that this church was not sinless. 
Uh, they had many, many deep flaws. And you don't have to turn too many pages here in the book of Acts to start seeing it come out. But God was gracious to them and with them and through them. This is his calling for us, church friends, to be devoted to these practices. What step could you take in all of this this week? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the model of the early church as they devoted themselves to all these practices. And thank you for the grace that really undergirds all of it. Uh, Jesus' death on the cross for the forgiveness of sins and life in his name because of what he has done and not anything we can do. Meaning that we can try our best to devote ourselves to this. And even if we do it right, Lord, it's only you who accomplishes anything in us and through us. So we pray that you would, you would do that in us and through us, even as we need your help to devote ourselves to these things. Would you help us in this, even this week? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.